0: Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth, I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money
1: on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning, and welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990. I am not Jim Shoemaker. I am Keith Quinn, and boy, have we got a great show for you today. I've got a couple of phenomenal guests, Jason Harrington, Chris A. Bear. We're going to be talking about sins and regrets, so you definitely want to stick around and hear all about that. We've had a lot going on, obviously, with the markets over the last couple of weeks. We see the increased volatility that I know Jim has been talking about, we've been talking about on the show with some of the headline risk that we see coming out from the European Union with the Brexit. We've gotten a little bit of clarity on that since the last time I've been on the show. The United Kingdom now has a new prime minister, Theresa May. Theresa is traveling around Europe, talking to the different leaders. She was with Angela Merkel on Wednesday, I believe, talking to the French president yesterday. One of the things that she has said is they are not going to invoke uh, article 50 of the Lisbon Treaty, which of course starts the formal process to leave the European Union at least until next year as they formalize some of the things they're trying to work out. So again, as we work through this uncertainty, the market is certainly keeping an eye on that, and that brings us back to what we look at here at home, and that is the Federal Reserve. You know, when is the Federal Reserve going to raise rates? That has been pushed a little bit to the back burner, given some of the uncertainty around global growth, and the market seems to be starting to focus more on fundamentals. Back into earnings season, we like to see that. We understand it. Uh, And the markets, again, we would expect increased volatility, but we are moving up One of the things we talk about, and again, I welcome you guys to the show. Jason Harrington, Chris Bear, guys, glad to have you here this morning. Keith, glad to be here. Managing directors at Shoemaker Financial, Uh, great guys, great resources. You know, guys, I know we talk a lot about the the stock market and, and, you know, some of the history of the market with our clients. And I know I have, you know, uh, four basic questions that I'll sometimes ask people just to kind of help them, you know, understand what we talk about when we're thinking about investing, especially when we're thinking about investing in equities, Uh, and basically true false questions. And I think we've done them on the show before but i think this is an appropriate time to do it again oh, and great. i'll ask you guys and you guys know Can the answer okay I, was gonna say. <laughs> I better know the answer you'll know the answer true, true 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 true. yeah so true right. or false you know true has the stock market ever gone down true keith true keith i think we're i need to call a friend <laughs> has the stock market always come back to make back the losses after it's gone down true true again has the stock market always gone on to set a new high true True, True. and we used to say that when we said this before, we had to say, well, we haven't gone on to set a new high because it was May 21st of last year when we put in a new high on the S&P 500, 2131, but as of last week, we have gone on to set a new high, and in fact, we set a new high on Wednesday. We're up about 2% from where we were last May, so if the market always goes on to set a new high, always comes back and makes back its losses, why don't people make money investing in equities? Man, I I think it's
0: emotions. Most of the time you're going to see a lot of a lot of peril with folks in that they just are the the typical consumer buys when everything feels good to buy. That's right. And when does it feel good to buy? If when it's it, on the way up.
1: and When it's on the way up. And, again, that's the 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 what we see is the opposite of the emotional reaction you should have. When things go on sale, people go running for the door, that's right. uh, which you'll see in no other industry. One of the things that we uh, talk an awful lot about internally and with our clients, the emotional aspect of investing. Because, guys, if we remember, I mean, last August, the first six weeks of this year, first worst first six weeks ever in the history of the market, these are emotional things. And if you look just at the headlines, it sounds really, really bad. Do you feel like I got to do something if I'm not doing anything then
0: that's that's bad that's bad right doing, I, it, that's what right. your mind Something's says wrong and yeah. I got to do something your mind says I need to fix it
2: well, Mother media doesn't help out at all either with the chicken little effect. You know, they, they want to talk about all the bad things that are going on because it attracts viewers and uh, that creates emotions that, that are stirred up. And, and we're very emotional when it comes to our money, right? We,
1: we really are. And, and trust me, if you look down at your account statement and it's off by 10 or 20 or 30 percent, that is a very emotional thing. Absolutely. However, looking at the long term, does the market always come back? Yes. Does it always go on to set new highs? Yes, it does. And it always will. The long term trend is and always has been up. If we focus on on that, focus on the fundamentals, and you guys are going to help us talk about some of the regrets people have had, financial decisions they've made, uh, and some of the financial sins that they've committed. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we want to avoid, and I know also the story uh, headline this week has been the Republican National Convention. We now have a nominee of the Republican Party. Jason, I know you, you had uh, the opportunity I did, I did to watch, watch last it. night. I it's quite a it show.
0: It was a show. I, I tell you, I, wanna, I would have loved to have been there. I really would have. I think that it just would have been, it would have been an, a spectacular event just to watch the people. Um, that it was were, a big were in attendance. It was a big production, and you would expect that sure, from sure, from sure. Trump. I mean, you would expect a, a big show. Uh, but I just want one of those hats I saw some people wearing. I mean, there were some crazy hats. I don't know if you got to look at it. A lot of cowboy hats. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of hats with gigantic elephants on them.
1: I saw the elephant uh, one. That was pretty funny. I with want the, the, one of the those tusk hats. And the ears yeah. And the, yeah. I want
0: one of those hats. But uh, I thought it was a, a very interesting. If you tuned into that, then uh, then I'm sure you thought the same thing. Is that you know it's just interesting to watch from a perspective of what's going on, how people were reacting. Uh, to Trump's speech. I thought it was interesting.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we uh, we always follow the the uh, you know what's going on from the political aspects, you know, more for the impact it has on the markets. You know, I'd be the first one to tell you that typically a presidential election won't have as much impact on the market beyond the short term. There's going to be some short-term sure. volatility. Uh, and everyone wants to know the rules of the game. And once we know the rules, it's easy to decide, you know, our strategies for companies, for businesses. Uh, but I do think he was a little bit negative. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm a little more optimistic about the country. I don't think uh, we're going to fall off a cliff. <laughs> (laughs) No matter who gets elected, you know, I think we will we will survive that. And that's the great thing about our system, the checks and balances between, you know, Congress and the presidency and the judiciary. Uh, We have a great system here. And and just I'm always optimistic when I think about the future of this country.
0: I am, too. And I I think that after Trump's speech, he's going to need maybe 10 or 12 terms. To accomplish the things, the to things do. That, he, uh, that he that he his, his speech plan. on, yeah, it <laughs> may be his plan. You know, he he had a bunch of amendments he was going to make, uh, and and maybe uh, how long a president can be a president, maybe one of the ones he goes in and works on, you know, too, because he's going to need a lot of time to do what he said he wanted to do. But.
1: Well, we had what we thought was going to be the Bush dynasty, or we did have the Bush dynasty, and then we have the potential Clinton dynasty. Maybe it's just going to be Wait, Trump. He's going to hand it off to Ivanka, hand off to Don <laughs> Jr., and we'll just pass it down, who yeah. I thought all of the kids that I saw were just phenomenal. I oh, thought they were yeah. really
0: good. I do. I, I agree. And her, uh, Ivanka's speech at the beginning, its great. I was impressed. She's, was a, a, she's solid. solid yeah. Yeah, yeah, She's a very solid speaker. Uh, she, I think she went to Harvard and got her MBA at Harvard, so... Uh, So all in all, I think it was an interesting show, if you will.
1: Yes, and that's Uh, what it always is, a production. But I did see one number I thought was funny, the longest acceptance speech in the last 44 years. Uh, uh, (laughs) That's also not surprising. uh, Uh, So, Jason, you can identify with that. Someone who's a little bit of a talker. If you get the microphone, take advantage of it. (laughs) That's exactly right. That was a big crowd, and he took full advantage. And, of course, starting Monday, we'll see what the Democrats do uh, with uh, nominating Hillary Clinton. And it's going to be an interesting election season. If you're joining us, just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here for Jim Shoemaker on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. This is Talk Money. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about some financial sins and regrets. Good morning and welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn and for Jim Shoemaker. And keep in mind that you can always listen to us in one of four ways. Either go onto the radio and listen at AEM 990. You can go onto the internet, search for our homepage, kwam990.com, uh, and listen to us that way. You can go to the app store, download our free app, kwam990. Listen to us on your mobile device. And finally, you can go to Podbean, search for Shoemaker Financial or Talk Money and listen to our pre-recorded shows. We've got a great show here. We're talking about financial regrets. Uh, I've got Chris A. Bear and Jason Harrington, two managing directors at Shoemaker Financial, in the studio with me. So let's go ahead, guys, and just dive right into the financial regrets that people have. And I know it's one of the things, again, we talk a lot about planning. So so what is that, Jason? Tell us, you know, exam, some of the things that people regret that they've done in their financial lives.
0: You know, I think uh, most <clears throat> most people, Keith, are, are hoping to look back one day and say they lived a life, you know, with no regrets. You know, I, I did what I did. I worked hard, and, and sure, and uh, got accomplished some things. I raised my family right, and you know, I, I've I've done just some good things in life. But you know what we find statistically, uh, according to some uh, bankrate.com, dot com, is that of almost three quarters of Americans look back and have some financial regret.
1: Right, and that's uh, that's that's sad. Three quarters, uh, three quarters. Of Americans.
0: I mean, that's a big number. And you would think that, and with the Amount of money that we have in America. I mean, we're we're a, a pretty privileged country. Oh, we've been blessed as we've a nation. We've been blessed as a nation. You would think that that number was a little lower, and uh, you know. And if you, when we're talking to our clients, and and there's a, an article that has come out again by, at, at Bankrate.com, put out a, an article uh, that talked about some of the regrets. And I think you when we talk about them, you'll see that we see them translate to our real life scenario. The biggest regret. What do you What do you think, Chris Keith? the, the number one regret financially,
2: number one th- financial that regret. people
0: have, uh, um, uh, on statistically speaking? What do you think the number one regret was?
2: It? <laughs> it's funny you ask that, because I, I would have to imagine not saving enough for retirement. But the reason is it's all in hindsight. No, normally, you're getting closer to retirement, and you're, you're, you've lost time. And time is something that we definitely have to take advantage of. But yeah. I would say that probably have to be uh, what comes to mind for me.
0: Well, you're right. It's It's not saving enough for retirement. I think most people, that's a function of retirement's a long way away. Right. It's kind of one of those things where I t- I, you take a break from reading a book and realize that's been nine months since you've read it. You know, I mean, it's a, everything's going to be uh, okay. I got tomorrow, I got tomorrow, I got tomorrow. And then next thing you know, you're five years away and you haven't saved enough. But the biggest financial regret uh, for Americans is that they haven't saved enough for retirement.
1: And it's sad, you know, that you, you do so much better. And you guys, we know the power of compounding and the, and the effect it has if you start saving early. But when you're 18, 19, 20, when you're just getting married in your mid-20s, you know, when you're just starting your career in your late tw- 20s, early 30s, uh, retirement is sometimes the last thing on your mind. Absolutely. It's so hard for these. I mean, when we have those young couples come into
0: our office, I love to see it. Right. It, it is a fresh... Uh, look for us to see those young couples or those young professionals coming off. I get so excited because these guys are going to separate themselves for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. And I get so excited. But the fact of the matter is it's still hard for them to imagine stopping work when quite frankly they've just started work. Right. Right. Uh, You know it's hard for them to think that long, long term. So part of one of the ways as financial advisors that we can help is to get them to break those retirement goals down into smaller pieces mm-hmm. uh, and try to hit shorter targets. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, we, I think everyone knows fundamentally time is power right. when yeah. it comes to money. Just getting it done is just a hard thing to do. The time well, you, you, go you, ahead, you hit
2: the nail on the head. Uh, the reality of the situation is it's hard for them to emotionally attach themselves to who they're going to be 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. So Absolutely. they don't see themselves of what life's going to look like 30, or 40 years down the road. So in hindsight, as you get closer to that a, that day, when you will step off in retirement, you're looking back, and that's a regret. So right. when I talk to the clients similar to what you're talking about here, Jason, is uh, when you're talking to the young couple, you're trying to to try to attach them and emotionally connect them to what that's going to be like. And in fairness, I mean, it's kind of like the diet starts tomorrow. You know, I, my Absolutely. intention is that I want to be uh, healthy and I want to do all the right things and eat right. But when I sit down and look over the menu, uh, the burger, the steak, fries, looks, good. steak yeah. looks good. The cheeseburger looks good. All those things look good. And, and we say, all right, well, I'll just put it off till tomorrow. So it's hard sure. for us not to be optimistic because we feel like we have time on our side. But then again, if we can just start something small and get the ball rolling and get some momentum towards that financial goal that your, your future self will love you a lot more.
1: Absolutely. And I know, you know, this is actually personally one of my regrets. You know, you guys know that I, I went out of high school and went into the military and I, and I was uh, in the 82nd Airborne down at Fort Bragg. And, you know, our motto was live fast, die young and leave a smiling corpse. Uh, yeah. so we weren't yeah. too worried about retirement. <laughs> no that's way. A, a great attitude to take into a firefight. <laughs> at 19, not that's it. Yeah, yeah, preparing yeah. for retirement. No, absolutely. And you know
0: what? But, but that's, but it's real. I mean, everyone's been there. Everyone's been there, had to compete with, you know, doing something today or, preparing for tomorrow, and, I mean, sometimes today is, is going to win. Oftentimes, according to statistics, uh, today wins. i tell you the second thing, I mean, and this is an alarming statistic here, too, is the second biggest financial regret is that people have not saved enough for emergency expenses. And this is a really big one. This is a big one. 60, 62% of America has, uh, according to this recent survey, have no emergency reserves, not just a little bit. Sixty-two percent of the country has zero, zero emergency reserves. reserves. At least in the pool of right, this percentage right, you, that was yeah. that was done, you know. And if you look then, if you carry out the percentages, you know, there's twenty-eight percent or so that have less than a thousand, and only seventeen percent that have between a thousand and nine thousand. And Chris brought up a really good point earlier uh, about uh, healthcare. You know, and, and, and as that changes and the deductibles rise, I mean, we're going to need to encourage people to save more money to protect themselves. But they, have a,
2: they have a much bigger exposure than they once did. We used to have these rich Cadillac plans; they were loaded, and all you had was a Absolutely. co-pay. Now, I have two little boys, and the hospital visits and everything else have just—it feels like it's all added up, and it's a lot of it's out of our own pockets. So we have to save for these things that come up in life. It's just—it's a real thing.
1: Not only are the premiums going up, the deductibles are going Absolutely. up, and your out-of-pocket can be horrendous. Now, tell me, Chris, though, when you're talking about emergency reserves, what does that mean? I mean,
2: what, how much is enough? How much do you need to save, set aside? You know, Keith, for everyone it's different, and I'll be honest. There are rule of thumbs out there that say three to six months, right. and certainly we try to apply those when doing planning with clients, but everyone's going to be different. Some people may want more than that. Some people may be comfortable with less than that. Now, I, we, we, it has to come with a disclosure, and we have to make sure that they understand the risk they're taking. Uh, but I, I kind of relate it to... the lovey that my boys have. Like, uh, we've got a four year old and a 16 month old, uh, two boys. Uh, we, uh, they can't sleep without it. And so I'm always trying to encourage people what is the amount of money that you need to have in the bank so you can go withdraw the money, take it home, throw it in the air, do uh, it's like the ducktails, dive into it, do right. no snow angels, uh, collect it up, take it back to the bank, just because it's peace of mind that we can't provide you otherwise. But beyond that, we definitely have got to be careful of also having dead money as well, which we'll speak to later. But yeah, so enough would be uh, I think it's a personal decision, but three to six months is obviously going to be the rule of thumb that we go by.
0: If you think, Keith, uh, one of the one of the, the hard parts about financial planning is when you have something that will derail your long-term goals. Absolutely. And, and I think that we as financial advisors, one of the things we're working toward is to help our clients not have planned derailment, not have something that happens in the immediate today that you have to pull money out of a retirement account or you have to pull money out of an investment program, a college fund, in order to take care of something today. And that emergency reserve is not just there to help you pay your bills or right. help you. It, it it serves that purpose when it needs to, but it's really to keep your plan, your financial plan, on track.
1: I think that's the that's a great way to look at it. You know, we always talk about that the the penalties associated with having to access you know retirement Absolutely. money before you you hit retirement age can be you know pretty pretty substantial. Uh, and just not having that built in, which again, as a financial advisor working with a professional, that's what someone would do help you to develop that plan and not just develop the plan. And Chris, we were talking about it earlier, but
2: sticking with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a coaching. Uh, it's not. Because, again, everyone's intentions are to take care of these things. Everyone intentionally wants to be uh, in a great financial position, not only today uh, while enjoying life, but also in the future. Uh, But the reality is, is is who's going to help coach you into putting these things into action? Uh, I get up every morning with the intention, again, as I said earlier, to eat right, to exercise and everything else. But the day goes by and my intentions were good, (laughs) but the the actions just didn't connect. Right.
0: Keith, I'll tell you uh, another and uh, I was only laughing because I can totally identify with that. <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, me too. Absolutely, I'm sure others are as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Keith, I'll tell you, for, and for our, uh, our listeners out there, they're going to they're gonna relate to this because I think this is an interesting uh, opposite answer. You're going you're to gather from this that two different groups were polled in this group uh, that they did this right. uh, survey with. So think about this. The number three regret. And the number five regret. Okay. I want you to listen to how they're related. Okay. So the number three regret says, I feel like I took on too much debt to go to school.
1: Too much, too many student loans to go I to borrowed too much
0: money to go. So I came out of college with too much student debt. All right. The number five biggest regret was not saving enough for children's education.
1: Right. So you, flip side at, of the the coin, flip yeah. side of
0: the coin. You got your students that are probably answering this, or somebody is answering this that had to borrow money for school.
2: Absolutely. And then you got
0: some parents, some concerned parents answering saying, I didn't save enough. I, I, I put my child in a position where they had to, to borrow come too, out much to too much money. And so, you know, I think it's interesting for students out there that may be listening how do you manage? You know, not coming out of school with so much debt, and for parents out there that are listening, you know, I don't know if they're in that same boat or not, but if they have that regret, then, you know, good financial planning can help eliminate both.
1: Well, so if I if I walk into the office as a client and talk to one of you guys, and Chris, I sit down with you, and I have a, a ton of financial debt or student loan debt, is that one of
2: the things that would be part of my financial plan? Would you help me figure out, you know, how I should pay that off? Absolutely, Keith. I think first things first is to to acknowledge that you made an investment in yourself you know we're fortunate to work with a lot of medical professionals that you can imagine right. have a lot of student debt uh and I, I want the i want them to understand that they've made an investment in themselves that they will provide for them family for years uh years to come and and i don't want them to have to be beat up over it but yes absolutely uh that's going to be a concern of theirs more than likely and we're going to talk about how to pay that off over time uh to with whatever accelerated process that they want understanding that we're going to lay out all the information and let them decide how to effectively use those dollars that they're going to be earning.
0: You know, I've seen a lot about this on the on the student loan debt uh you know, Donald Trump talked about this last night, you know, just it's an issue that's making that type of platform it's uh, a, it's a presence. big number. It's, and it's, I don't it's, remember it's, what it is, but it's I can't, a huge number. I, yeah, I don't remember the exact number either. But it, it's it's a big enough issue that it is a topic of a presidential election. Sure. Uh, of what these kids are are uh, graduating high school with, I mean college with uh, with student loan debt. Schools are increasing at a rate you know faster than you know normal inflation. Uh, in some ways, And some schools are going faster than what the market can can uh, can bear. And uh, it's going to have to be something that will be addressed, and you can address that through through financial planning.
1: And I did like what Chris said, though, is looking at it because, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, what is your biggest asset? Uh, well, as Chris said, you know your biggest asset is going to be yourself. You know your ability to earn an income over the span of your life, and an investment in that asset is not necessarily bad. But then you have to, you know, face the reality if you have to make those payments. Look at where, you know, which account has the highest interest rate on it. Potentially, you know, pay down those first. But I think the key thing that I would want everyone to take away from is having that plan, sticking to it. You know, there is not Chris. Would you say is there a situation that someone could walk in to
2: your office with that you couldn't plan for? Absolutely not. I think as long as they're motivated to uh, to act on some of the coaching that we're going to do uh I, I always find that people feel so beat up, uh, and sure. it's almost like that, you know, there's that 800 pound gorilla in the room and they're just waiting for us to ask the question. Well, tell me about what concerns you're, you know, what is the thing hindering you from uh, growing your wealth? And it's always either going to be dead or some kind of drag on their ability to, to save their money, whether that's lifestyle or, or anything else. But yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we will absolutely plan for that. And there's nothing that we can't get around. Our job is to paint a picture of hope, but then put an action plan together through a plan, uh, to get us to whatever vision they have for themselves. A picture of hope with an action plan. I love
1: that. Uh, that is, I like that too. That's. We may make a T-shirt that's, that's that's out on that. <laughs> yeah, we're,
2: we're gonna, uh, I, my, my wife, uh,
0: I'll get my wife to cross stitch that into, uh, into a pillowcase or something. Uh, let me talk to you about the. Fi- do, do we have time? Uh, well, let's. We I tell break. you what. Okay. Let's uh,
1: let's take a break uh, and let's go to Charles Osgood for the Osgood file, sure. and we'll come back to continue on with some financial regrets, and then we're going to move on into full blown financial sins. Yes. Stick around. I'm Keith Quinn here on Talk Money on AM 990.
2: helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk
1: Money, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning, and welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jason Harrington and Chris A. Bear. We are talking about financial regrets. Jason, we've already talked a little bit about the number one regret, not saving enough for retirement, not having enough emergency expenses, either borrowing too much for college or as parents not putting aside enough for our children's colleges, college education. What are some of the other of the top regrets that people have?
0: Well, I think the, the, these last two that made up the bulk of, of the number one responses from Americans, I think are interesting to look at because I think it is is something that we deal with and that we compete with as financial advisors when we're helping our clients to grow financially. And that is the number four regret out there is that people are saying they feel like they take on too much credit card debt.
1: I think that's a huge one.
0: Absolutely. And then the number six which rounds out the top six regrets is they feel like they bought a bigger house than they could afford. And I think that's interesting. If you look at it from right. uh, just a human dynamic of what we deal with from re- respect to peer pressure or the desire to want things or the desire to have things that we, we see out there that are shiny and pretty. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to just say no and, and think about tomorrow tomorrow, versus thinking about what you can have today. And well, I think it's interesting. At some point in time, you get the stuff you want today, right. but you look back on it in life and say, man, <laughs> I regret that I had that credit card, and I regret that I bought too big of a house. So we really don't need a lot of the things that we have today when we get into that pre-retirement thinking.
2: Chris, do you run across this? Oh, absolutely. I like to call it uh, lifestyle addiction. And what's funny is when we talk about the credit card debt, I'm always curious. So what did did you spend? Uh, And no one can ever remember because that just goes to show you all the cognitive dissonance uh, that exists, right? I mean, you buy things, you do things thinking it's going to bring you happiness, but it's only temporary. Uh, But but here's the, here's the deal. We talked about this earlier. Uh, It's hard for us to relate 20, 30 years out of what world's going to look like today. But what I do know about myself today is I want to enjoy the things that I want to enjoy. I want the, I want the house. I want the vacations. I want the car. I want the new technology. Um, And it's real. I mean, it's, Absolutely real. For us and our family, uh, ten years ago when I joined uh, and married my wife, we we started family vacations. They started in Orange <laughs> Beach, very simple vacation. They progressed to Destin, then progressed to Sand Destin, <laughs> and before you know it, now we're on this strip called Thirty A. And and here Moving we are. On up. I there know exactly right. And we wouldn't turn back. I mean, we enjoy the restaurants there, which are obviously more sure. expensive and everything else. So th- these are things that are fighting. Uh, uh, that we're fighting to try to build wealth and to to build the protection that we want and and uh, and to say for those things that we ultimately want to have in the future. So it's very real.
0: It's very real. Very real and and you know uh <clears throat> the when you're when you're talking to someone about financial planning, Keith, I think the interesting thing and what I hope our our listeners out there or your listeners out there will will grasp is that good financial planning right. will give you the freedom to do some of the things you want to do today and all of the things that you want to do in the future. I like that. I think if you if you are planning right, then you should not you should be able to enjoy some of the fruits of your labor. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You 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 should not financial plan yourself into being broke today. Yeah. Uh but if you do it right, you can enjoy some things today.
1: And
2: all of the things you want to enjoy. all of the things that you want to enjoy in the
0: future. (laughs)
1: You could argue with that. Absolutely.
2: Well, listen, we're not failing because of lack of income. I mean, income across uh, America is is up. And what I would say is this, is it's not a lack of income. Uh, What it is is an unsustainable growth of lifestyle. And uh, the unsustainable growth of lifestyle of... And I hate to use the cliche of keeping up with the Joneses, and it's not intentional. It's not like oh, we're just doing this to to keep up. It just happens because right. someone else gets something, and you're like, wow, I really like that. I, I want to do that. Uh, and it can be even things that are, are have good intentions. Uh, you start you start out at a, a gym, and the gym membership may be ten, fifteen bucks. Then you're at a different gym; it's eighty bucks. And then before you know it, you're into some of these other things that cost two hundred dollars a month. And you, you know what is what is the cost of having uh, having your health taken care of? But, again, all these things go towards keeping us from uh, saving money and protecting ourselves uh, uh, the way that we should.
1: I think that's that's just great advice. And in fact, guys, I've got a close personal friend that I think I would like to refer to you guys that potentially needs some counseling. This friend spends uh, about a dollar sixteen for every dollar they uh, bring in. Uh, they've run up a deficit over the last uh, fiscal year to date of about four hundred and one billion. Of course, my friend is Uncle Sam. Uh, so if
2: you could, if, <laughs> if you yeah, could counsel let him the government
1: a little bit on a little bit of our a better spending practices, yeah. I think that would be great. It's, it's all those wet.
2: elephant hats. Got. <laughs> yeah, they
1: got it probably is the elephant several hats. Several trillion uh, in income. We'll take that as a. Client. It, you know? <laughs> I tell you what, guys, let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back with some of the financial sins that people commit. But first, let's go to the Mid-South History Moment with Rebecca Brashear. And we would like to wish Rebecca the best. Absolutely. This is her last day with our firm. She's been with the firm for years. She's a phenomenal lady. We love Rebecca. Uh, and, again, we just want to wish her the very best Absolutely. in all of
0: her future endeavors. We will endeavors. miss her. We will miss her.
2: Yes. For sure. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the listener as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money, this is Talk Money. Good
1: morning, and welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9. I'm Keith Quinn, and for your host, Jim Shoemaker, and I'm here in the studio with Jason Harrington and Chris A. Bear. We've been talking about some financial regrets. Now we're going to move on and talk about some full bone financial sins. Chris,
2: what's one of the financial sins that people can make over their lifetime? You know, you're going to see a lot of commonalities from the regrets to the sins, because regrets are... Here today, the sins are happening. You know, regrets are here today, looking back. And the sins and are the ongoing The sins are happening right now, <laughs> yeah, right? right. Uh, and the first thing that we talk about is uh, the optimism problem. The optimism problem is just that uh, we can make up for our bad habits in the future, right? That we we have time. We'll have increases, uh, inflation raises in the future. We'll, sure. we'll make more we'll money. We'll make more money. Absolutely. Yeah. So all of this can be made up tomorrow. Uh, just like the, the again the, the comment I said earlier, the diet starts tomorrow, right? As exactly. i sitting in the restaurant, the diet's going to start tomorrow, so I'm going to eat the brownie Sunday. Uh, yeah. I have a <laughs> really big sweet tooth, but it just—it it can't work. We have to form good habits, uh, and and that's going to take. Uh, it makes start out small, but we can work on building it <clears throat> and, and dialing it in over time. I think
1: that's a great point. And guys, one of the things I like about what we do is, you know, no matter what we talk about, whether we're talking about investments from my chair or anything you guys do, it all comes back to financial planning. So being optimistic about the future is absolutely something we want people to be. And again, as I said, we're awfully optimistic about this country. Uh, but being disciplined about how you invest, how you think about, you know, funding retirement. I know when I was at a conference in Chicago, the CEO of Vanguard, Bill McNabb, had talked about that. And he said people have this idea in their head that they can have a 20 percent return some Year, and they'll make up a shortfall in their retirement accounts rather than saving more money consistently. And you need to focus on the fundamentals, focus on that discipline, focus on sticking with that plan.
0: Absolutely, as part of part of financial planning is for a, an advisor to come alongside a client and help them put market into perspective. Right. You know, what, what can it really do? What is it going to do? Uh, as you said in your true/false quiz, is the market going to go up? Is the market going to go down? Yes, is it going to go up by three hundred percent? I mean, yeah. we have to we have to put some of this uh, optimism. We want to stay. We want to stay long-term bullish.
1: Long-term, we are bullish. uh,
0: But we do want to put what that means in reality to a client and not let them get out of hand with their expectations.
1: I will throw out one quick statistic I got from our buddy Bob Dahl, who's a friend of the show, and the folks at Naveen Asset Management. Since 1950, there have been 14 times it's taken 12 months or longer for the S&P to set a new high. Of course, it took longer than 12 months this time. Out of those 14 times since 1950, in the next 12 months, the S&P 500 has always had a positive return always had a positive return. Average gain of 18% and the smallest of 3.1%. Now, what is past performance indicative of? Not a thing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. But it was an interesting stat. Is that a trick question? (laughs) But you can learn, but
0: what we can learn, what we can do with past performance is learn from it. We learn from it, sure. And and we can learn from that. And so that's what we're, our job is to come along clients and teach them about this optimism. Uh, Can we be optimistic? Yes. Can we be Overly optimistic and borderline, you know, unrealistic. No, we can't. We're we always can't cautiously
2: that. optimistic. Absolutely, and I think that's the way to phrase. it. And with that, uh, it's a great segue. I mean, because then, why don't people make money in the market? Uh, why? Right. Why is it that they continue to to not make the returns that they feel like they should, or that statistically they're hearing about? Right. Uh, and I think it has a lot to do with just impulsive. Uh, and that's another sin is just having the impulsive problem. And that's just staying away from things that sound too good to be true, most likely are. Mm-hmm. Uh, people promising the world uh, on, on return with, with no risk. I mean, that, those things just don't exist out there. And if they did, why would they be contacting you about it? Uh, and then the other thing I think about is just, uh, as we said earlier, the chicken little effect, the, the media. The media has got all the noise, and we have to put the media in its perspective. And the media is here to drive advertising and to sell Right. Uh, ultimately, So in order to do that, they have to get listeners and viewers and things like that. So that's that's their perspective is trying to get as many eyes and ears as possible. So, of course, uh, what sells is fear uh, and, and people are emotional when it comes to their money. So they're, when when they're selling um, that the world, uh, the world is coming to an end then um uh, then ultimately we we're gonna react.
1: So you think if Bernie Madoff promised me a ten percent return every year and wouldn't tell me how he's getting it, that should have been a red flag.
0: maybe. I think Chris's point is it points back to something you said earlier uh earlier, Keith, and that um you know what what is gonna happen with regard to to financial planning is that, you know, people uh people are going to respond a little bit impulsively when things are going good uh you know when things are going good well then that's when i need to react
2: right right
0: and people when they when things start to go down in the stock market people get a little panicky and they let that fear and that impulse drive their decisions sure. rather than some of these historical numbers that you had or some some logical future prediction of what will happen and they don't, they don't wait they just they just respond impulsively yeah. without uh, a lot of thoughts. I think that's interesting dynamic when you think about what's going on in these people's minds, and that's real. It, it is very hard to outplan what your gut. And what your
1: emotions are telling you to do. Hey, and if you watch the financial media, these are smart guys, and when yeah. they're sitting on there saying the world's coming to an end, then if you don't know better, hey, hey you believe them. Believe them. coming to an
2: end. But isn't this unique? I mean, I, I love football, and we we tune into football, and there's analysts in football too, correct? And, sure. and And you have one analyst that is passionate about one team winning, and then you have another analyst that's passionate about another team winning, and they all have great points. Right. The reality is, is that the future is fundamentally unpredictable. We don't have a crystal ball. There is no way to predict the future. There are things that are going to happen that are. Completely out of everyone's control. Um, so what, are, what we have to do as fiduciaries, as financial planners, we have to be uh, unemotional when it comes to someone's money, and our job is to act in their best interest. And many times that means talking them off the ledge and and really kind of put in perspective what is the long term, uh, what's the long term plan here? What's sure. the what's the what's the future vision? And are we going to react when things uh, when things get volatile or, or as your account fluctuates? Or are we going to stick to our guns and, and take a principled approach and understand we'll put it in pr- and put it in its place and and continue down the path that we've already uh, set aside.
1: I think that is a phenomenal point. You know, one of the things we see is, you know, we'll see a lot of these economists calling for the the doom and gloom kind of predictions, but one of the problems is, and it's exactly as Chris said, you cannot predict the future. These are brilliant guys who build incredibly complex models, but guess what? You just cannot factor in all of the variables. I promise you the guys at the Federal Reserve are brilliant, but they never, ever seem to get the projections right. It's incredibly hard to forecast, so you shouldn't try. You focus on fundamentals. You know, we try and help people understand, you know, you're not investing in that scary stock market. You're yeah. investing in companies, companies, yeah. well-run companies. And in the long run, capital is forever rational. So that's the kind of thing that we want to focus on. All right. I heard uh,
0: I heard Jim Shoemaker say in the office one time that when we're investing in these good companies, I can promise you there is a CEO out there that when things are going down, they are thinking, how do I take this current market situation and try to make money for my company. They are working hard to keep their company, uh, these good quality companies, moving upward. And if you look around, historically, some of the companies, they're still around. They're still in existence. They're still making product. They're still doing services for people and providing good quality stuff out there. Uh, And it seems like that's the answer is just to focus on these fundamentals that you're talking about.
1: Focus on the fundamentals. You know, when the market pulls back on an emotional headline, the Brexit, uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the fundamental value of these companies or Absolutely. their potential future cash flows. Uh, I think that's one of the great things about the nature of the Brexit, the fact that it's going to take so long to play out. A lot of these companies will be able to prepare and, and put a plan in place to deal with those circumstances, whatever they may be.
0: I think, if, unfortunately, historically, you'll look at a lot of money in the market gets lost when people react to headlines. Oh, a lot I, I, of opportunity gets lost. And when people respond to these red arrows and red uh, you know, marks and graphs that look weird and people start to respond to that, unfortunately, a lot of money gets, uh, gets set on the sidelines and becomes unproductive for people out there.
1: You guys have probably heard me say it. One of my favorite Buffett quotes is the market is an incredibly efficient mechanism for transferring wealth From the impatient to the patient. Oh, I like that. I like that. I tell you what, guys, let's take one quick break for traffic and weather, see what's going on around town, and come back and wrap up with a couple of other financial sins that you may be committing right now, and we will be right back. Good morning and welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jason Harrington and Chris A. Bear. We've been talking about financial regrets, financial sins. Chris, what are some other financial sins that people are making?
2: Well, uh, to keep in um, the path that we're going, when we we have uh, fearful uh, thoughts and we pull our money out of the market, where does that money typically go? Goes into your savings account or your mattress. Absolutely, there is an amazing amount of cash being held on balance sheets across the country, and I think one of the problems we have with that we call it the inertia problem. And the inertia problem is this: is that there there uh, there's dead money that's out there that could be otherwise working for you. And should I dare I say, dead presidents? Um, but what I mean by this is that when you have money that's sitting outside uh, in cash earning you zero percent, that's a lost opportunity cost where we could otherwise potentially be putting that money to work for you. Now, I'm not talking about the money. That, that safety blanket money, that money that's sitting there who's giving you peace of mind and everything else. Right. I'm talking about the money that's beyond that, that we could be putting uh, to work for you. That is is there simply because of being fearful of investing in anything. Absolutely. And uh, when, when I think about this, I always come back to this. When I, when I, when I think about what the job that we do and the, what we provide clients, because we have, we have decided and we, we know that the future is fundamentally unpredictable, and there are no crystal balls of what the future may bring, uh, it is very important that we, uh, that we understand that the quality of our life is going to be directly related to the quality of the decisions we make. And the quality of the decisions we make is directly related to the quality of the information that we have and that we get. So we have to align with advisors that are not only going to provide us and empower us with the information that we need to make great decisions for our financial future, but we also need to work with an advisor who's going to help coach us to then execute those decisions uh, rather, because a plan that's not you know, executed is, is worth nothing. Absolutely uh, so right. So definitely working with an advisor who's going to, to challenge you and push you to be the best version of yourself and push you towards that goal. So,
0: Keith, might I say that it's not just about the plan?
2: Uh, You may say that.
0: It's about the results? It's about the results. (laughs) Just thought I would say that. little plug for Shoemaker Financial. Hey,
1: but that's the bottom line, guys, and we talk about that a lot. We could write the best financial plan you have ever seen, but if you put it on a shelf and do nothing with it, it is absolutely worthless. And I think Chris you know, brought up a great point when you're thinking about you know, having too much money in cash beyond what you need for your excess reserves. Not only are you not earning a rate of return, you actually have a negative real rate of return when you factor in the impact of inflation. So I think that's one of the things that people don't think about. They think, well, I'm not losing money. Well, no, actually you are. You're losing purchasing power. Uh, and that's one of the things, these kind of things, that I think financial professionals, uh, what we do, can help people understand and help them walk through.
2: Absolutely. And it's a comfort level. Again, uh, three to six months rule of thumb. But however, some people are more conservative than others. And, and we're, we're very considerate of that. Uh, our goal is not to push people uh, to take risk. As a matter of fact, we prefer them to take less risk. But just sure. understand uh, what the expe- expectations should be and understand how money can work for them. Uh, and that's really the goal there. And I think, you again, you know, as part of a financial plan, we want people to understand what they're
1: doing. We don't want to give you an idea that's so complex you can't possibly grasp it. I mean, you know, we want you to have
2: that sleep factor. Yeah, I mean, it's all communication skills. If, if your advisor cannot articulate the strategy to where you can understand it, by all means, ask questions. You're the one that matters here. You're the asset. You're the one that we're trying to engage with the relationship on a journey as you make financial decisions.
1: And don't be embarrassed to ask questions. Don't, act, you know, don't be embarrassed if you don't know what you're really asking, because I promise you, if I went into your
2: job, I would have no idea. What you're talking about. I hate to say there's no stupid questions, but there is no stupid questions. There are there are no <laughs> so stupid not. questions.
0: No, we hope, uh, we, Mr. Shoemaker and I talked about that on the show a couple of weeks ago, that we hope our clients have freedom and feel empowered. A lot of times we'll tell them when they first come in I want to give you the, the, the freedom and I want to empower you. Ask anything.
1: Ask anything. Ask anything. We are, we are here for that question. And it's part of building the relationship, and frankly, it's what we hope is part of our value. Again, we're going to be honest with you. We're not going to sugarcoat the truth. We're not going to tell you you don't need to save more if you do. Uh, we're not going to pretend you're going to get a 20% rate of return if we think that's unrealistic. But it's having that disciplined focus and those long-term goals. All about financial habits, baby. Financial habits. It's not just the plan. (laughs) It's the results. Fantastic. (laughs) This has been a great show. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm Keith Quinn. I've been here with Jason Harrington and Chris A. Bear, two managing directors at Shoemaker Financial, helping you understand a little bit about what we think at Shoemaker about financial planning. Please feel free to reach out to the firm if you'd like some more information, 901-757-5757. I would like to thank our guest coordinator, Francis Fortner, our compliance officer, Jim Shoemaker. Our production assistant, Eleanor Moskowitz, board operator John McCommon. And I hope you can join us next Friday from 8 to 9 when we will have Terry Hurt talking about the power of the person, Stanton Brown giving us some tips on long-term care. Until next time, I am Keith Quinn for Talk Money, helping you make the most of your money.